Hey, welcome to the Activate Podcast. My name is Jillian Pelkey, and I am so glad that you joined me today. We're going to take a look back today at a past pre-recorded sermon that was recorded at Kirkland Life Church on a Wednesday night, but I know that God has a plan for it to speak to your heart today, and I pray that he blesses you through it. Thank you, Jesus. God, we thank you that you're really here. God, we thank you that you, the king of the universe, turns your attention to us tonight. And I just can't imagine it. I, I know who I am. I know who we are. And here we are, this little group of people. And yet, God, you're here in our midst. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God, I thank you that you lavish your love on us. God, I thank you that you make our feet like the feet of a deer. You show us where to walk and where not to walk. With you, God, we can scale a wall. God, with you, we as one person with the Spirit of God in us could put a hundred to flight and together a thousand to flight. God, when your Spirit dwells within us, God, when you're with us and guiding us and leading us, there's nothing that's impossible. And so, Lord, I pray that tonight we would surrender ourselves to you. That, God, we wouldn't push our agenda, but, God, we would surrender to yours. God, I pray tonight we would let the watering of the word wash over us. God, I pray it would be like we take a bath in your word tonight. And, God, get rid of anything that's not of you. God, I pray that we would be soaked in, in the spirit of God, that we would produce fruit keeping with repentance, that we would produce fruit that's love and joy. God, I pray that we would be a people of joy because we've been with you. And God, when we're with you, things in our lives are satisfied that nothing else can satisfy. And so God, I pray tonight we would just realize that you're here, that we would be able to see the ways that you're moving. God, we thank you for the opportunity that lays before us tonight. Minister, us, minister to us, God, through your word. I pray that I would get out of the way that, Lord, your spirit would work through me. God, be glorified tonight in the way that we receive what you say and in the way, God, that, that you use me to present it. God, be glorified. God, I pray your word would go forth. I pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus, our greatest example, our friend and our brother. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. We are... Um, it is good to be together. It's good to be able to have breath in our lungs and be together, to be inside together and uh, worshiping God together. Gracie, thank you so much for leading us into the presence of God with that music. And uh, so, so fantastic. It was a great, great time in the presence of God. Have you ever heard it said before, by not making a choice, you're making a choice? <laughs> I think about that so clearly when I think about um, our car. <laughs> Because by uh, choosing not to take care of different things about it, by not doing anything, we're making a choice, right? Um, when somebody doesn't vacuum their car or they don't change things that need to be changed, oh, I'm not making a choice, I'm not doing anything, but by not doing anything, you're making a choice. And some things you're, you're like, well, I never decided to have my car be a wreck, it just happened. Well, no. <laughs> It was, you know, not falling through or not making choices, um, or I never decided that I was going to be this way. It just kind of happened. And so by not making choices, we are, in fact, making choices. By not deciding, we are deciding. 
things do indeed happen. And tonight, I want to kind of take a step back and kind of stand on the balcony and look out and say, okay, taking this big step back and seeing the bigger picture of, of maybe what God's doing. And Pastor John talked on Sunday about worship, and we're going to follow up on that same topic of worship. Worship shows who you have decided has your heart. Worship shows who you have decided has your heart. Now, whether you consciously make that decision, and one day you sit down and you say, okay, God, you have my heart, or one day you sit down and say, Netflix really has my heart, (laughs) or my hobbies really have my heart, whether you've actually sat down and said those things or not, we all have decided who has our hearts, and how do we decide it? By the way that we live our lives. So worship is about who has our heart. We think about the story in Matthew of the rich young ruler, and he comes to Jesus and he says, I've done all the things right. What more could I do? And Jesus' response to him was basically, I want your heart. He said, I want you to give up all your riches and come and follow me. And he said, that's the one thing I can't do. If the rich young ruler had given Jesus his heart, he would have said anything for you, Lord, because you really are Lord, and I really will worship you no matter what the cost. Worship is walking out what's inside of you. Does your life worship yourself, or does your life worship the king? And we're going to dive into Matthew chapter 26 tonight. And there's two people, if you have your actual paper Bible with you, there's two people that share a page in Matthew 26. And it's a stark difference. It's a a black and white, whoa, there's two opposites here. The two people that share a page in Matthew 26 are Mary and Judas. Now, Mary's the one who pours the alabaster bottle uh, on Jesus' feet to anoint him. And Judas is the one who betrays Jesus unto death. And they're within verses of each other. It's so, um, it takes your breath away when you read it together. Judas versus Mary. Betrayal versus anointing. Judas's life said, what will you give me? 30 pieces of silver? What will you give me? And Mary's life says, what can I give you? And it's two ends of the spectrum on the same page. So we're going we're gonna to read the account of both uh, here in Matthew 26, starting in verse 6. While Jesus was in Bethany, in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar. Now, pause here for a second, because this account is in every single one of the Gospels. So you can read this in Matthew, in Mark, in Luke, and in John. Uh, some theologians will say that the account in Luke might have been a different person at a different time, but it's really cool because it's showing the importance of this. And at the end, you'll see that wherever the Gospel is preached, Mary will be talked about because of what she did. So this is important. Otherwise, the Lord wouldn't have allowed it in his word four times for us to really grasp. But uh, moving on, it says, uh, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why the waste, they asked. This perfume, perfume could have been sold at a high price, and then the money could have been given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it, actually, guys, to prepare me for my death and my burial. 
Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done here will be told in memory of her. Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and asked, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. Judas's life says, what will you give me? Mary's life says, what can I give you? Judas was a day-to-day follower of Jesus, much like me, much like you. He followed Jesus every day. He was even entrusted in ministry. He was entrusted with the money. He was entrusted to go on ministry trips in the name of Jesus. He was a follower of Jesus. He saw miracles. He was important. Mary was not important. Mary also saw miracles. But Mary wasn't a follower of Jesus as much as she was a friend of Jesus. And the Bible references her as a friend of Jesus. She wasn't just happening there. Her heart was for him. The interesting thing is, I think you have the picture of it, John, of them all sitting at, uh, at Jesus' feet. Many of us know the story of Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha are sisters. Jesus comes um, to be with them. And here is... Uh, Mary sitting at Jesus's feet and the lady standing up is Martha her sister complaining saying why is Mary just sitting at your feet learning like a disciple she should be in the kitchen helping me I'm doing all the work and this isn't fair I've said that a million times haven't we all in some aspect this isn't fair I'm doing all the work and Jesus said what she's doing right here is the most important is to sit and learn from me, to sit and hear my heart the most interesting thing that I want to get tonight is that Mary's sitting there at the feet of Jesus, but who else is sitting there? Judas. Judas and Mary are sitting at the same feet of Jesus, learning the same things. Why is it that it took root in Mary's heart, but not in Judas's heart? Why is it that she was able to to grasp and to give her heart to God, but Judas was not? What is the difference here? Judas's heart, though he was a follower, though he saw miracles, though he was day to day with God, He never let it take root in his heart. It never truly changed him. And I'm afraid that there's many of us that stay Sunday after Sunday and we're followers of Jesus and we see miracles and we may even be in charge of a ministry and yet maybe we don't really know Jesus as a friend. Maybe we're sitting right alongside uh, other people and yet we haven't totally given Jesus our heart, our everything, that whatever Jesus asked we would do. With Judas, betrayal is self-serving. It's the I want. What am I going to get from Jesus? What am I going to get when I come into church on Sunday? How come nobody said hi to me? How come nobody greeted me? How come? And you start looking at yourself. That's the spirit of Judas. Uh, what am I going to get from church? What am I going to get from Jesus? Why didn't Jesus do this for me? And then the the heart of Martha would say, I'm going to church to make sure I say hi to everybody else. I'm going to church to make sure I encourage everybody else. I'm going to church to lay myself down. I'm going out to everywhere that I am to pour myself out. And they're right here next to each other in scripture. All for you, Jesus, no matter what the cost. Now, Judas and Mary both had these life-defining moments. And in their life-defining moment, 
Mary gave. And in Judas's life-defining moment, he took. And with Mary's giving, she gave what was a whole year's wages were in this bottle of perfume. Laying down her pride, because uh, if you look at some of the pictures, all the, and I know obviously these are not pictures from them, but the other disciples were not happy with her. This was not uh, something that she was going to get on Facebook and be like, look at how cool Mary is, look at what she did. No, they were going to be bashing her. People are going to be talking about how bad she was and how dare she come in to our dinner and how dare she bring that perfume and how dare she waste that money. And yet she was doing what she knew that God had for her to do because she had sat at the feet of Jesus and heard and understood and let her ears comprehend what it was that God had for her to do. She laid down her pride, her own dignity, because she just wanted to serve Jesus. So Mary gave, and I promise you when you give, sacrificially, when you give generously, when you give knowing that that's what God has asked you to do, it will always satisfy. Now let's look the other way. What Judas did, he thought it would satisfy. He thought money was going to satisfy him, but did it satisfy him? No. In the end, the thing that he was grappling to get left him wanting in such a deep, disturbing way. He laid, Judas took and he laid himself in his, he took hold of his own pride. He took hold of his own dignity. And he wanted money and power and fame and friends. And he said, Jesus, how can you be useful to me? Instead of how can I be useful to you, Jesus? Jesus, how can you be useful to me? And he used the name of Jesus for his own gain. And he used the person of Jesus to hopefully gain some kind of prestige. The actions that Mary took and the actions that Judas took affected, ultimately, everyone that was around in those days, but ultimately affects us too as a witness to us. It is a witness crying out from the book of Matthew to us, which kind of heart do we have? Do we have a heart that wants to give, or do we have a heart that wants to take? Is our life worship unto God that, God, you can have any part of me, or is my life unto God, Jesus, what are you going to do for me? How do I get? How do I benefit from the kingdom? How do I benefit from the church? How do I benefit from these people? Instead of how can I serve? How can I give? How can I pour out again and pour out again? It's very easy to look at people in scripture and say, I would never do what they did. It's so simple because we have the hindsight to look back. We're able to like get up on the balcony and look back over and see how the thing turned out. And we would say we would never be like the Israelites. We would never be like Judas. We would never be like, and yet when we bring it home, what in the following areas of our lives, which way are we like Mary and which way are we like Judas? In our marriage, do we look at it as what can I give? Or do we look at it as, what can I get? In our marriage, do we say, I deserve? Or do we say, I want to sacrifice. I'm going to pour out my life for the cause of somebody else. Because our greatest commandment is to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But also, just as important is for me to love my husband as I love myself. And that means that I'll lay down my life, my pride, my wants, my desires. Because I know when I do, I need my satisfaction to come from God alone. <laughs> 
and he satisfies me in the secret place. When I get alone with God and I find myself in prayer, every need is met in him. He gives peace that the world can't ever even come close to offering. And just like Mary found satisfaction in pouring out her life, I too find satisfaction in pouring out my life again and and that it not be about me, but it be about somebody else. So in our marriages, is it what can I give or what can I get? Is it that I want to be served or that I serve? Because ultimately it affects all the other disciples. Your marriage affects all the other disciples. What about in your job? When we look at a worldly view of our job, we think, well, I want justice in my job. I want to do this, and I want to get paid, and I want to get paid well. What if we looked at it as what can I do to serve the people in my job rather than the, how could they serve me? Are we in our jobs to serve or be served because it affects all the other disciples, how we choose to conduct ourselves? Are we living a life of worship in our job? Are we living a life of worship in our marriage? Are we living like Mary, or are we living like Judas? In our church, do we look at what can I give, or do we look at what am I going to get? Have I gotten my due? Or do we look at what can I give? Do we go to serve or be served because it affects all the other disciples? In our relationships, the same questions. In our friendships, is it what can I give to these people, or are we looking for what can we get? How can we be served? Because it affects all the other disciples. How is it that Mary knew what to do? How is it that Mary was able to do the opposite of what Judas did? It's because she sat at his feet. Sitting at his feet cost her stuff. Sitting at Jesus' feet cost me stuff. I say no to people I want to hang out with or things I want to do because the presence of Jesus satisfies every time. And he's going to give me the wisdom and the understanding of how to conduct my life. And if I am pouring myself out for all the other people and all the other things, but I don't spend time with Jesus, I'm going to come up empty because he really is the vine and I really am the branch. And apart from the vine of Jesus, I can't do anything good. And so I have to protect that time with Jesus so that I can be productive for the kingdom of God. So this is how Mary knew what to do. This is how Mary had that heart condition, knowing that who Jesus was and who she was, that he really is the king of all kings, that he knows more than her, that she wasn't in charge, but he was. We have to find our fullness in the presence of Jesus. We have to surrender our Judas-like desires and let God's love wash over us and refine us so we can walk in anointing and serve like Mary. We could get like Judas, but it will never satisfy. Or we can give like Mary. And as much as it's counterculture or counterintuitive, it will satisfy our very soul. That whole thought just washed over me uh, a couple days ago, that Jesus satisfies my soul. There are so many other things in life that we can run after. And though they might, might tickle your fancy a little bit, they're never going to satisfy your soul like Jesus. He is always going to be the one who's going to be the comfort of your heart, the comfort of your life, the, the best friend, the, the one who knows you and created you and has a plan for you. So he will satisfy, but taking from others is never going to satisfy Grappling after other people's attention, never going to satisfy. 
Because even after you get their attention, even after you get the 30 pieces of silver, even after you get the promotion, even after you get the whatever it is you're pining after in your, your inner person, it doesn't satisfy like Jesus. The gospel is a mystery. It's so simple. Throw yourself at the feet of Jesus and he's going to take care of you. But throw yourself at his feet as it concerns your marriage, as it concerns your job, as it concerns your church, as it concerns your relationships, as it concerns every piece, and give him your heart. Worship is the posture of our life. It's not just a song. It's not just singing. It's magnifying God with our actions and with our words, but with our actions. We see this with the rich young ruler. We see this with Mary and Martha. We see this with um, so many examples in scripture. To worship God is to come under his command. To worship God is to put him first. And our question tonight is how can I worship God within the spaces with which he's placed me? How can I worship God? How can I place him above everything? in the space that I live, in the house that I live, on the street that I live, in the job that I do. How can I put Jesus first and worship him? We do this by recognizing who he is. And a beautiful way to recognize who he is is through singing about it. A beautiful way to remember who God is is to say it out loud with words. God, you're in charge of my soul. To, to write it on things that are hung on, on, in frames in our house, to have scriptures, to have magnets on our fridge and notes everywhere, to remind ourselves who God is, that he's in control, that he's got this, to build up our holy faith. We worship through our worry. We worship through our grief. We worship through our pain. We worship even as we sin. We bring ourselves before God because when we're out loud we're proclaiming how God is, sin doesn't stand a chance. God, you're holy. God, you're worthy. And this voice in your head, the Holy Spirit will say, then confess your sin and be made well. I'm here to accept you right back. And so we worship through all of these things. We worship even in our anger. We worship in our victory. We worship in our joy. We worship through wisdom of understanding the scripture brings worship to life because you understand what you're singing about worshiping through our faith magnifying God not because he needs reminding but because every day my heart needs reminding every moment I need to remind myself who God is and who I am and that he really is in control that's why individual worship is so important but that's why corporate worship is so important because there's days when you're worshiping through grief and you need to look across an aisle and see somebody else full of faith that's why we worship corporately because we need to see and hear and understand that god put us in a body of believers that we're not alone but we're walking this journey together and individual worship because it is so personal I am sure that mary was prompted by god to go and anoint jesus not uh, because someone else told her to, but because of her alone time praying. And the same with us, we have to find our individual time of singing before the Lord, verbally out loud, joining with the saints in heaven, crying, holy, holy, holy. Spurgeon said this, he said, the beauty of this woman, he's talking about Mary, the beauty of this woman's act consisted in this, that it was all for Christ. <laughs> All who were in the house could perceive and enjoy the perfume of the precious ointment, but the anointing was for Jesus only. 
it was all for Jesus. It wasn't for show. It wasn't for accolades. It wasn't that she would have any gain from this. She was doing it as unto the Lord. And that's the way that we should live our lives as unto the Lord. And Gracie, if you want to make your way back up, our response to this of seeing Judas and Mary back to back in Matthew 26 shouldn't be a, oh, I'm never like Judas. I'm Mary all the way. Our response should be, God, show me ways in which I can exalt you. God, that you would become greater and I would become less. God, that I would see, I would truly see if there's anything in me that's not serving you because only God will satisfy. We want to say to God that we've decided to go from a follower to a friend. I was talking to somebody today and uh, we came to the conclusion that she hears God talk to her and she does what he says. And I said, there's nothing better in life. That's it. You don't need anything else. God talks to you and you do what he says. And it's this beautiful journey that you're his friend if he's talking to you and you're doing what he says. If you go from follower to friend, you, you can have that satisfaction. You have your beloved and he has you. He really is the apple of your eye. You really can sing that and mean it and know it. And I want to sit at Jesus' feet until my heart is satisfied. And then get up because I'm full of Jesus, I can serve. When I serve in my own strength, when I serve uh, out of my own wanting to do good, it's for nothing. But once I've sat in the presence of Jesus, I can get up and genuinely serve other people. I want to give my life instead of looking at what I can get from life. I want to walk in anointing and not betrayal. I want to walk like Mary and not like Judas. So as Gracie sings this song, she's going to sing, I am available. And as she sings this song, whether you want to sing along or you just want to hear her sing this over you, let's just look at the different areas of our life and say, God, are you really, am I worshiping you in my marriage? Am I worshiping you in my relationships? Am I worshiping you at church, in my job? God, am I truly yours? Am I living a life of worship? Because the truth is sometimes we say, oh, I didn't make that choice. To, to serve an idol, and yet it's happening. I never consciously said that I'm not serving you, but it just kind of happens, just like a car getting dirty. Tonight, let's make a choice to take a look and to, to say, God, I want to make you the Lord of my life. I want to follow you, and I want to be your friend and do what you say. Let's pray. God, we need you. You truly are the vine and we are the branches. You are the lifeblood. You are the one who directs our path. God, I pray that tonight you would uh, convict our hearts of, of any way that we've put anything above you. God, I pray that we would be humble in your presence and we would be open to hearing any ways that we've gotten off, off the path. And God, I pray that we would long to live out worship by the way that we act, the way that we treat people. God, I pray that you'd speak to us in the next few moments. Lord, we thank you for the opportunities that lie before us. We thank you for your word that, that cuts bone, that separates bone from marrow, that looks right into the intents of our hearts. And God, I pray that tonight we would lay everything bare before you, that you can continue to strengthen us and mature us and make us whole so that we can not just know more about you and be people puffed up with knowledge, but we could tell the world of your goodness. 
God, move in our hearts as we worship now, I pray in Jesus' name.